Destiny Online, uh, we're so pleased that you're joining us today. If you're visiting, first time with us, you're so welcome. And if this is your regular church service, we're so glad that you're connecting today. My name is Pete, pastor here at Destiny. And uh, it's my privilege just now just to take us on a journey through the Bible to unpack how God can help each one of us with the battles in our life. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us. Father, thank you so much that wherever we're tuning in, whether we're in a living room or lying in bed watching TV or watching it when we're out and about on our phone, I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would speak to every heart. Lord, for the people who are far from you today, I pray that you would meet with them especially and that they would know your touch, maybe even for the first time. God, for believers, I pray this will be a time where their faith is built up. For those who don't yet have faith, I pray that faith will ignite in people's hearts even as we speak. Jesus, thank you for being a remarkable saviour. Thank you for 2,000 years ago coming into this world, dying in our place on the cross and rising again. And because of you and because of what you did, we have hope. In Jesus' name, help us now, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a privilege to to turn to the Bible with you. And you you know, the, the Bible is so relevant to everyday life. Um, Did you know that, according to the Telegraph newspaper, one in ten people in the UK report being stressed all the time? And more than that would experience bouts of stress. We all get it at times in our life, stress and anxiety. And, you know, one of the problems we've got today is we've got so many choices. I mean, you know, even even when you sit down and want to chill out watching the telly, uh, you've got so many choices. You watch Amazon Prime, is it Netflix, is it Apple TV, or do you going to watch Disney Plus these days? You know, and by the time you figure out which one you're going to watch, then you've got to, I don't know, let's watch a movie. And I don't know if you're like me, but I've got a watch list of tons of movies or things, and you spend half the evening watching trailers to figure out which one you want to watch. By the time you've done all that, your evening's gone. (laughs) Apparently, every one of us, uh, especially if you've got a smartphone, every day you'll touch your smartphone 2,600 times a day. And it's a cause of much stress. So people are checking their text messages, checking their social media accounts, uh, checking their news feeds, uh, and, and it, it, or their emails, and, and it can create a stress. Um, you know, I'm sure you, you can relate to this, some of you. Uh, you. You ever been to the point where you've gone to the toilet and you suddenly thought, oh no, I've got my phone. <laughs> I mean, is that really important? But these days, that's kind of how it is. It doesn't matter if you haven't got any loo roll, but if you haven't got your phone, you're in trouble. Um, it reminds me of the guy who who went to the doctors one day and he said, uh, doctor, one, one day, I, some days I feel like a teepee and other days I feel like a wigwam. And the doctor said, your problem is you're too tense. <laughs> so anyway, with no further ado, let me take you to the Bible. And this, these verses are going to help us understand God's solution for anxiety and stress. This is Philippians chapter 4 and Paul is writing these words from a prison in Rome. Okay, so remember, he's in a prison in Rome as he's writing these verses. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, 
whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If there's anything excellence or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So here's Paul saying, you know, this is a solution to have peace in any situation you're in. And he tells us to rejoice. But notice he says in the verse at the end there, he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Isn't that interesting? So he's writing this letter to the Philippians and the people in Philippi apparently had seen something about Paul, had learned from Paul. They'd seen something in Paul that kind of affirmed what he had been just talking about there. So let me just kind of take you back 12 years before that when the Apostle Paul actually was in Philippi. So Paul is writing from a Roman prison just now. That's what we just read those verses. But 12 years before that, in the book of Acts, we see the moment when he was in the city of Philippi. And I'm just, it's not going to come up on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you from Acts chapter 16. It says, The crowd joined in attacking against Paul and Silas. So Paul and Silas had been in Philippi telling people the good news about Jesus. And the authorities in the city didn't like that they were preaching. And they were persecuting them. And the magistrates ordered that they be, them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded, guard them carefully... And, he, and when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them, probably thinking they're a bit nuts. I mean, you, what would you be doing? If you'd just been beaten, you know, you hadn't done anything wrong. In fact, you were doing a lot of good. You were helping people find their way to God. And the secular authority in the city didn't like it. They put you in prison and you've been flogged. You're bleeding in your back. You're in a dark, dingy, damp prison. Might have been rats running around. What, what would you be doing? Well, Paul and Silas were worshipping. They were praising God. And it says, suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains became loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw that the prison doors was open, he drew his own sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Basically, it was his life for theirs. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And when he brought them out, he asked, sirs, what must I do? To be saved. So that, that was 12 years earlier. Here's Paul now writing from another prison in Rome, and he's writing about, and he's saying, listen guys, you can rejoice in every situation. And he's saying, what you've learned from me, put that into practice. And he, he's reminding them, remember 12 years ago when we first met, and how the church got going in Philippi? It actually started pretty hard. We were put in prison. God did a miracle. But what were we doing in prison? We were rejoicing in the Lord. And now Paul's in another prison writing this. So what's his advice? Well, let me take you back through those verses just one line at a time. All right, so let's go to the start. Verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. In fact, you can say that with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. You think, seriously? Rejoice in the Lord always? I get rejoice in the Lord, but to add the word always I don't think I could do that, surely. I mean, rejoice when, you've, when you don't have the money to pay your bills. Rejoice in the Lord when you've been betrayed by a close, close friends. Rejoice in the Lord then when, when your relative has just fallen ill. Should I rejoice in the Lord then 
And context helps us. Because if Paul had been kind of lying on a beach, chilling out, and writing a letter to his friends at Philippi, saying, hey guys, just rejoice in the Lord. It would be a bit glib. It wouldn't help us. But because Paul's writing from a prison in Rome, I think it's kind of helpful. It's seriously helpful. He's, he's qualified to tell us this. He's not saying this because everything's going fine. He's saying in every situation, rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't say rejoice when you feel like rejoicing. You see, you've got to make a choice to rejoice. Say that with me. It's a choice to rejoice. And this is such an important key for your life. Uh, the Wycliffe Bible Translator uh, Organization, they send out missionaries all over the world and they trans- the, translate the Bible into native languages in various places around the world. And a number of years ago, they published a newsletter where they described the work of two missionaries, uh, Bruce and Jan Benson. And Bruce and Jan Benson had gone as missionaries to translate the Bible into a remote area of Peru. At the time when they were working there, it was not a safe place to be working as a Bible translator. There were terrorist groups uh, active in that area. And one day when Bruce and Jan with their 14-year-old son were out for a drive in a remote rural area, uh, they were set upon, they were ambushed by a group of violent, notorious terrorists called uh, the Shining Path who were active in Peru at the time. And they were kidnapped they were shoved in the back of a transport, and they were taken in darkness, taken to uh, the, the terrorist hideout. Uh, and they, they, you know, it, the chances are they were going to be killed. That's, that's kind of what happened in Peru in those days. As they were in the back of this truck being taken to this unknown location, Jan Benson describes saying that she just felt in her heart that she just had to worship. So against all what her brain told her to do, she just started singing. I mean, what else can you do? She just starts singing. She starts singing famous Christian songs, worship songs, pouring out her heart to the Lord, giving Him glory in the middle of the situation. It was just the most ludicrous thing to be doing at a time when literally their life, this could have been the last day of their lives. Anyway, they, they were taken to the, the hideout. Uh, they were held for a few hours. And then, unexpectedly, they were released. Anyway, a year later... They got a phone call out of the blue. Sorry, I should have said they were released, but their car was taken by the terrorists, their projector was taken, and also they had a series of films about the life of Jesus that went with the projector. All the car, the projector, and the series of films were taken. Anyway, years later, a year later, they had a phone call out of the blue from one of the people who had been their kidnapper. And he asked, is it possible to meet? And so they had this face-to-face meeting with one of the people who kidnapped them. And he said, uh, I have to tell you that I used to be a murderer. I used to kill people. And I was there. We are part of the band of people who kidnapped you. And after we, re- we, we kidnapped you, but for some reason, we just knew we needed to release you. We don't know why, but we just knew we needed to release you. And we were, we were fully intending to kill you. But we just, when the point, point came, we had to release you. And, uh, and they said, after you were released, we set up the projector and we started watching the film that you left about the life of Jesus. We watched it several times, and at one point, about several hundred terrorists were all in the room together watching about the life of Jesus. And he said that many of us, myself included, decided at that point to put down arms and become followers of Jesus. So I am now your brother in the faith, he said. Please forgive me for how I treated you on that day. 
Isn't that incredible? And it's in the Wycliffe Bible Translating uh, Societies. It was a newsletter. They published that amazing story. And I want to tell you, when you praise the Lord, when you sing praise to God, despite your circumstances, it's not like when everything's going great, praise the Lord. Sometimes when things are going, everything's falling apart. That's your time to praise the Lord. It's a choice to rejoice. Paul also, he wasn't saying rejoice when God answers. Sometimes you're going to rejoice even if it looks like there's no answer coming. You know, just let me remind you, Paul, 12 years before this point, had been in a Philippian prison, and he and Silas in the midnight hour had been praying and singing songs to God, and there was an earthquake, the doors flew open, and their chains fell off. A total miracle, an historical miracle that took place. Incredible. But here he was, 12 years later, and he's writing to the church at Philippi from another prison. But notice, he hasn't had a miraculous escape from this prison. He's still in prison in Rome, and yet he's still saying rejoice. In other words, Paul rejoicing the Lord isn't conditional on God. Do that shaking and making the things fall off again thing, all right? Because it didn't happen this time. It happened this time, but it doesn't matter. For Paul, whether the chains fall off and a miracle happens or whether they don't, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. So in good times and in bad times, rejoice in the Lord. When you're succeeding, rejoice in the Lord. When you're failing, rejoice in the Lord. In abundance, rejoice in the Lord. In need, rejoice in the Lord. When you've seen a miracle, rejoice in the Lord. And when you have seen no miracles and you long for one, that's your time. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, he does what your mama now does. He tells you again the same thing. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Verse 4, he says, I will say it again. This is what your mama does. Just in case, that you, just, you, because you've probably forgotten. I say it again, rejoice. He, would, he doesn't want you to miss it. I mean, it's such a simple point. Rejoice in the Lord always. He said, I'm going to say it again because I don't want you to miss it. He knows that this is your key to unlock your prison of anxiety. This is your way out of stress. You need to rejoice in the Lord always. And then he goes on in verses 5 and 6. And he says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. So powerful. The Lord is near. Years ago when in San Francisco they were building their famous Golden Gate Bridge, as the construction was happening, uh, there wasn't much, there weren't many safety precautions being taken. And during the construction periods, 23 men fell to their death from the, the high uh, structure. And they fell to death in the waters below. And so in the second half of the construction phase, they decided that they would put a huge net, like what you'd see in a circus under the trapeze artist, a huge net. So basically, it provided a security net for any of the men. And in the second half of the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge, only 10 men fell from the construction. But all of them, without exception, were safe because they landed in this huge safety net. But they also noticed in the second half of the construction period that productivity went up by 25%. And here's the thing. When you just know, God, you've got me. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. When you just know he's got it, he's near. He's not far, he's not distant. He's got me, he's here. It's almost like a safety net under your life. And it empowers you to be someone who can live worry-free. You see, the truth is this. The truth is this. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died in your place for your sins. 
He paid the price so that you could be forgiven for all your sins. All, our, all the sins I've committed, all the sins you've committed, everything you've done wrong that's, that's caused it to be a barrier between us and God. When Jesus died on that cross, he paid the price. And in, the, in his death and his resurrection, he defeated your three greatest enemies, Satan, sin, and death. Now, if he's defeated your three greatest enemies, Satan, sin, and death, do you not think he's going to cover every other base in your life? It's like there's an ultimate security net underneath your life. Therefore, you do not need to worry about your life. The Lord is near be anxious for nothing. But then he goes on in verse 6 and says this, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Isn't that great? In every situation, man, look at that, just when you least expect it, bad news comes. You you get bad news, so what do you do with it? Well, you say, Lord, that's bad news. I have to give it to you. And you give it to the Lord. But before you know it, you're hit with a man. And they come in twos sometimes. Crisis and unemployment. You say, Lord, I can't handle this. You need to take this. And you, and you give it to the Lord. Because you think, wow, I can't handle it. But then before you know it, illness. Mixed, but you're dealing with illness. But then someone comes along and criticizes you. And say, Lord, I can't handle this. I have to give it to you. I, I, I hand it over. And then it comes another one, debt. And they just keep coming thick and fast. Failure. But every time they come, you just got to take them. And you say, Lord, I can't handle this. But you've got bigger shoulders than I do. So, Lord, I give it to you. Every time life puts things your way, you just got to get it and then pass it on to the Lord. Get it. And now, it doesn't mean that when you get the debt and you've got the burden of the debt, it doesn't mean you don't take some practical steps and get some advice and put, do some budgeting. It doesn't mean you don't do the practical as well. But what you do is you give the emotional weight of the, the burden to the Lord while doing the practical. And then you'll have the headspace. You'll have the safety net knowing he's got me. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now notice it says, it doesn't just, it doesn't just say just pray about it. It says, in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Now this is of crucial importance. It's not just enough just to pray about your problems. Having prayed about it, then you've got to say, God, I worship you now. You've got to translate it into thanksgiving. Notice back 12 years before this, when Paul and Silas were in prison, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. It doesn't just say they were praying. It says they were praying and singing hymns. Here's my question. Would the miracle, would the, the earthquake, would the doors flying open have happened if they'd just been praying? I don't think so. I think they needed to be praying and singing and worshipping the Lord. So here's the thing, folks. It's not enough just to pray about your worries and to give the burden of it over to the Lord. You know, pray and let God worry about it. But you've also got to worship the God you've just given the burden to. It's, that's the key that unlocks your prison with thanksgiving. There was a pilot out flying. It was a single-person airplane and he was out flying one day, and he was out, actually he'd gone off the coast, and he was out over the ocean, so there was nowhere to land. But as he was out flying, he suddenly started becoming aware that he was hearing a, a gnawing sound, and he realized it was the sound of a rat scurrying around somewhere in the fuselage, in, in the frame of the plane, and he could hear it gnawing through something. And he was highly aware of all the cables and everything that were so essential for keeping that plane in the air. And he was thinking, man, that, that, that rat might well chew through an essential cable. And if I go down, I can't land anywhere. I'm in the middle of, I'm out at sea. 
And so he, th he had to think really quickly, and he realized that rats can't survive at altitude. So he quickly put on his own oxygen mask, and he, he lifted the plane, and he started climbing, gaining altitudes, until eventually the sound of the rat gnawing came to an end. Eventually, several hours later, he went back to the airport, he landed, and then as he opened up part of the compartments in the plane, he found this dead rat gnawing, that had been gnawing at one of the important cables in the plane. And here's the point. The way you deal with the rats of anxiety and stress that are gnawing away at your life is you just got to go higher. Just go higher in worship. Go higher in praise. Connect with the one who is above all. And that all of a sudden deals with those rats of negative emotion and anxiety, worry, stress, and fear. They'll just drop dead the higher you go with the Lord. Say amen if you agree. I didn't hear you, but I think you did. It says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So having rejoiced in the Lord, and then having given all the weight of your burdens to the Lord through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, what happens next is the peace of God. Now, the big word in this sentence is actually the little word. The big word isn't peace. The big word is of. You see, it doesn't say it's the peace, peace with God, or it doesn't say, which is wonderful. Peace with God is a wonderful thing. It doesn't say, and the peace from God, which would be wonderful as well, but it doesn't say from. It says, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. In other words, God is already at peace. You're the one who's not at peace. <laughs> I'm the one who's not at peace. God's already at peace. He's cool. He's got this. But all of a sudden, as you engage with God in prayer and in worship, His peace becomes your peace. It's like osmosis. You just catch what He's got, the peace of God. The reason God's at peace is because He's in control. The reason we're not at peace is because often we're not in control. When, we, when we've got a situation we can't control, we th we're concerned about how it's going to go, man, it's, it's, it's then we get anxious. But God is, never has a situation where he's thinking, man, how's this going to work out? <laughs> God doesn't get that. Or God's not thinking, thinking, man, this one's going to send me down. No, no. God doesn't have those thoughts. Or I wonder how this is going to turn out. Okay? The thing about God being God is he's sovereign. He's large and in charge. He's not flustered. So God's completely at peace. But what happens is when we're not at peace and we turn to God in those moments, his peace becomes our peace. My lad Michael is he's now the same height as me, but when he was really low, I remember going into an elevator, and it's one of those old school elevators where you could see the numbers of the floors above, above the door. Got into this elevator, and the doors closed. And then it, we were going all the way to the top, but it kept stopping every floor. More people got on. Next floor, more people gone. Before you knew it, it was a crowded elevator. And Michael, who's kind of down here, uh, you could see him getting very claustrophobic. All he could see was belt buckles, bums, and knees. And he, he looked up at me and he reached up his arms and says, Daddy, lift me up. I can't see anything from down here. And, and so I reached down and I picked him up. And it's like everything changed. But nothing changed. He's still in the elevator. But all of a sudden, everything changed because he has a different perspective. All of a sudden, he's with me up here, and he can see the numbers of the floors. He can see we're moving towards 
a progress. We're making progress. We're moving towards a goal. All of a sudden, he became aware that everything was fine. And in one sense, nothing had changed. He was still in the same situation. He was still in the same elevator. But everything had changed. And you see, when, when you lift your arms to God and say, God, I'm in it just now. I'm really facing it. I'm, I'm needing your perspective. And God lifts you in those moments and gives you a perspective. And all of a sudden, the peace that God already has in the situation becomes your peace. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Why does it say it transcends understanding? Well, understandable peace is, well, it's when your circumstances change. All right, I understand why I'm feeling at peace, because things have changed. But a peace that transcends your understanding, what does that mean? It means that even when the situation hasn't changed yet, you've got peace, because you know he's heard He's got it. He's in control. And then it goes on in verse 8 and it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Say with me, think about such things. Think about such things. So Paul has now said, okay, you've had your anxiety. You have told you to rejoice in the Lord, just like me, I'm in a prison, but I'm still rejoicing. And you've got to give your burdens to the Lord with, with thanksgiving. And then this peace will come upon you. And then he gives you some practical advice. and says, finally, listen, I want you to think about things that are good and positive and lovely and, and praiseworthy and think about these things. Reminds me of the, the German Coast Guard and uh, he's, he's new in his job, and he's, he's manning the Coast Guard station that evening, and uh, in, in, in comes a Mayday signal, and he says, Mayday, Mayday, we are sinking, we are sinking, and the, German, the young German Coast Guard thinks, oh, he, he's never done this before, so he goes over and gets the microphone, and he says, hello, this is the German Coast Guard, and then he is the broadcast going, hello, Mayday, Mayday, we are sinking, we are sinking, and he gets on this, the radio and says, oh, what are you thinking about? <laughs> There's no crowd here, so I can't hear your laughter, but I hope you find it funny. What are you thinking about? You know, you've got to think about what you're thinking about. And that's what Paul is saying. Because, you see, as you've given the burden to the Lord, the way you maintain that peace then is then from that point forward, you kind of get your mind off the negatives. You get your mind off the what if and get your mind on to I'm trusting. I'm trusting. I'm trusting. I'm believing you. Think about what you're thinking about. Now, again, the Apostle Paul, he's writing this from a prison. He's writing this in Rome. And the Jewish authorities who persecuted him as a Christian leader had put him in prison in the first place, wanting the death penalty. I mean, he wasn't in prison for, like, you know, I might have a wee small fine to pay. Potentially, if the Jewish authorities got their way, Paul would be executed. So you imagine being in prison, not knowing in the natural, am I going to get out of this prison? You can, imagine, you can imagine how Paul's mind might have been running over time thinking, what day will it happen? When will my court case be? Will I survive this moment? His mind could have been going over time. But instead, he gives them advice. But actually, it was the very thing he was doing himself. He was choosing to think on good stuff. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to think on the good things. You know what? Things might go bad, but hey, they might not. I'm trusting God, and I'm going to think on the good things. Think about what you're thinking about. Don't accept every thought that comes into your mind. Some thoughts, 
that come your way are designed to take you out and take you down. You've got to trust in the Lord and fix your mind on good things. Fill your mind with the promises of God. Go out for a walk and rejoice in God's creation. Uh, worship Him. Live for the glory of God. I end with a story. Up in the northern reaches of Alaska, on Saturday nights in this particular village, rural village, it was common over the years that on Saturday nights they would have dog fights and the locals would place the bets on which dogs would win. One old-timer, one guy who lived in that village for a long time, he had two dogs that he owns, a black one and a white one. And for years and years, he took those dogs and he entered them into the competition and they would fight. And, uh, and, every, and the time came when they got too old to fight, so he retired them from dog fights. But one of the people who had seen him fight over the years said to him, listen, how is it that when you put your dogs in for the fight, you know, sometimes the black dog won, other times the white dog won. But every time you placed the bet, and you always bet on the one that was going to win. How did you know every time which one would win on that week? And he said, it was really simple. I just bet on the one that I'd been feeding all week. And it's true. You know, if you've been spending your week feeding on negative thoughts, just giving fuel to the, to the fears and anxieties, and not taking time to read the Bible or think about the promises of God or, or rejoice, then, you know, bets are on. You're not going to make it through that. But if you can just get your mind off that and get your mind onto the things of the Lord, then you're setting yourself up, just like the Bible's saying here. You're preparing yourself for a breakthrough. You're about to walk out of that prison of anxiety and stress and the fears, most of which will never come to pass. So we're going to pray just now. And what, in this moment of prayer, I, I want to pray two prayers. I, I want to help, first of all, for those of you who, you know, you're not there with God yet. You're not yet in relationship with God this is a moment where I, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer and commit yourself to the Lord. The God who created you in the first place, he wants to be in relationship with you. Why would you want to live your life not knowing the God who created you? And for that, for, if that's you today, I want to, in a moment, give you an opportunity to pray a prayer to connect with him. And also I want to pray a prayer with everyone joining today. If you're carrying anxieties, fears and stresses, I want to pray that God will give you relief just now. We're going to do what the Bible just told us to do, to give over our anxieties to the Lord. So here's what I want to do. Imagine you've got fears and anxieties. I want you to imagine them in the palm of your hands. What are the things that you're anxious about? Maybe just close your eyes, open your hands before God, and imagine what are the things that you're anxious about today. Maybe it's your ill health. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's the future. And I want you to then imagine they're in your hands and then close your fists over those things. Imagine you're holding them tightly. These are things that you're worried about. These are things you're anxious about. And now what I want you to do is I want you to just raise your hands and open your hands before God. And so, Lord, right now, we release every burden into your hands. For those who are troubled about their health, I'm asking that the peace of God and the healing of God will come in their lives. God, for those who are anxious about relationship situations, God, we give the burden of that into your hands. God, you can deal with the complexity of human emotions. You know, and we trust you. God, for those of you who are dealing, Lord God, with financial struggles, I pray right now, God, as they've committed those struggles into your hands, I pray right now for the peace of God that transcends all understanding 
to guard their hearts and minds. We give you our financial situation. We trust you for daily provision. We believe you are our source. God, for those who are carrying fears and anxieties, Lord, we release them to you just now. And in exchange, we experience and receive from you the peace of God. We receive that right now. Just receive that. While people are praying, I want to give you an opportunity today. If you're not yet there with God, I don't mean do you know about God or even have you been to church? That's not enough. I'm talking about do you know God? Are you in relationship with God? You can. He's only one prayer away and I want to help you pray just now and make, bridge that gap and make that connection with God. Just so where you are, pray this prayer one line at a time with me. All right, ready? Dear Lord God, thank you that you love me. Jesus, thank you that when you came into this world, you came because you love me. And I believe that when you died on the cross and rose again, you did that so that I could be forgiven and have a new life. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need you, God. And today, I'm asking you to be my saviour, to come and change my life from the inside out. I commit my life, not just my burdens, but I commit my life into your hands from now on. Jesus, be Lord of my life and help me to be a follower of yours from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I know right now God has heard your prayer and he saves you. That's a remarkable thing, the word being saved. It means you've been changed on the inside. It means that you're now God's. And I encourage you, this is the beginning of the most exciting journey of your life. And so can I encourage you? You've just made a great decision. We want to help you in that decision. Uh, If you're on our platform, right just below uh, where I am here, there's a little raise your hand icon. Just click that and say, I prayed that prayer. That's your way of acknowledging, I did that, I prayed that prayer. If if, If we would love to also connect you with one of our pastoral team who will pray with you again. And if you just click request prayer or email us at contact at destinyedinburgh.com. We want to be there to pray with you and help you. We want to also help you connect with the church, uh, either our church or a church near you, because we, we, we see that the decision you've made is the most important decision you can make on earth. God bless you. For those w- w- visiting for the first time, please join us again. Church members, love you all, miss you all. Can't wait to be back together again. God bless.